going there? My ex is in there. Okay, then let's go. I mean, honestly, what gear do we need? An egg-shaped grapple gun? Oh, you know, look at that sweet squaw. She's just sitting there missing me. What a woman she is. What? Who's he? Is a guy in there? Let me see. Who, who's that other guy? I can't tell. Everyone looks the same in a leather mask. Okay, I recognize the one with the ball gag. That's Private Schwa. I can't look. Tell me what's going on. Okay, the big guy with the saddle on his back is just driving his... Ah, lie to me! Damn you, lie to me! Fine, just relax. Okay, I think they're rehearsing for a play. Is there a non-musical, mostly nude version of Oklahoma? Welcome to Venture Bros, Venture Bros Podcast. Me, your host, as always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Nick Wally West, the Flash Freedoman. I'm the third one. He was third, right? <laughs> uh, now you have me second guessing it. Yeah, no, he's third. You're right. Ah, yes. Nailed it. Way to go. Yeah, Woo! well done. Well done. And then we have Graham Tim Drake Robin. Hello. I am one of many. You are one of. <laughs> so, so am I. <laughs> I'd already done Dick Grayson once, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to use a different Robin this time. One that I think Nick thought he was last time. So it was yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is working out perfect. Uh, oh, so... we used, used Jason Todd as well. Oh, yeah, God. I'm running out of Robins. <laughs> so is <laughs> Batman. <laughs> oh that was a good one i like that thank you (laughs) oh so oddly good turn there return to malice (laughs) this this is the episode we're talking about today uh I was going to do another round of plugs in the beginning, but you know what? I like saving those for the end, so we're just going to go straight to the end with those. Um, and we'll just start with Return to Malice. Woo. You guys excited? It's a good one. I like this one. I like I, this one, too. Yes, I like it. Uh, and unfortunately, it's my turn to say everything that happens in it, and I was not prepared. I was just doing the math in my head. I'm like, yeah, it's Graham's turn. No, wait, no, Graham fucked up last week, so that means it's my turn this week. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> um, good luck. I'm going to do this really quick, because Brock, our wonderful note-taker, did a very long and intricate breakdown in ours, uh, which I feel like he's doing his best to help us out every week, and then the (laughs) better he does, the worse I do. So I'm just going to make this one up as I go. Um, This one is a 21's episode, so if we've done a a Hank episode, a Dean episode, now we're getting a 21 episode. Uh, And much like the other ones, there's other storylines too, but he's the main kind of through line of it uh along with the boys a little bit but essentially uh after 24's death 21 decided to completely reinvent himself as two-ton 21 and this is the beginning of him trying to figure out who actually killed 24 uh along the way you have the boys who get kidnapped by him you have sergeant hatred who's trying his damnedest to make the boys uh know who they are and know that they're wanted by criminals and learn to defend themselves although the boys never do this because they always had brock uh then they get kidnapped by 21, who used monarch darts, so Doc and Hatred obviously assume that the monarch did it, 
the monarch didn't do it, but the monarch is having a hell of a time on his own, where he had done a fancy salad dinner with his wife, had an allergic reaction to the salad, his face blew up like a balloon, so he can't have sex with his wife, and he can't go to the interview he's supposed to go to, so his wife lies and says that she's going to it, even though she does end up going to it eventually. Mm. Um, and she and Dr. Venture meet up, realize that they didn't take the kids they have a nice little chat dr venture takes another swing for the fences uh gets shot down yet again because he always will and uh that's pretty much oh and then the uh the monarch and 21 uh reconnect and realize that 21 is actually hurting and he needs a leader like the monarch again and they agree kind of without fully saying it that 21 is going to be a better henchman to the monarch now and the monarch's gonna be a better villain for 21 to be a henchman for and they move on happily that's pretty much everything right yeah yeah. A little all over the place with it, but that's kind of everything that happened. But that, I yeah. mean, that's this episode. This is, <clears throat> yeah. you know, a, a an episode with a lot of moving parts. Yes. Yeah, and I, I feel like we, we're usually kind of harsher on those episodes, but I feel like this one, they, they really, at least in my opinion, I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think they got this one down. I think the moving parts, the spinning plates, I think they mostly stay up. I think this one works. Yeah. Well, I think it, it works because... They the episode starts off pretty simple. Like there's you know, you start off with the ventures and the monarch kind of doing their own separate thing, and then twenty one. And then they all kind of converge and cross at around the same time. So you're kind of following it as it's happening. I think in the past a lot of these episodes with moving parts, you're like, none of this interacts whatsoever, so why are we watching it? Not necessarily why are we watching that's harsh, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know you're you jumping but... around in timeline and stuff like that, and you're trying to catch up and yeah, yeah. I feel like the the problem before and when you go through either like the commentaries or the books, it the problem usually stems from that these were a lot of small ideas that they thought were great and funny, but not strong enough to hold their own episode. Right. So they just kind of throw them all under one grab bag episode, and they're always kind of a little mismatch. While still funny, they're not the strongest episode. Whereas this one, it felt like this is the episode. It just happens to have the same amount of moving parts. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, I haven't done a lot of research into this episode. I apologize. And uh, just looking at Brock's notes, I don't think he came across it either. I'm not sure if that was the case on this one. If it just it it doesn't seem like it because, like you're saying, the so for example in the the last episode it was a lot of like jokes that they liked and they kind of formed an episode around some of these jokes but like nothing really felt cohesive like every part felt in like as an individual and in this episode like everything's moving in the same sort of way maybe not at the same pace but they all end up at the same spot you know when they need to so for example when we're watching Two twenty twenty one, kind of like capture the boys. That set into motion, you know, Rusty and Sergeant Hatred, who is kind of then set in motion Doctor Girlfriend, while the Monarch is just kind of like lost on an island on his own, as he should be because he's now deformed. You know, like it all kind of like goes into an order that makes sense. While in the other one, it was like, well, Dean's listening to music while Hank is doing chores. And, you know, like, it just kind of doesn't really mesh at the same level. Yeah, and this one, it felt like it was constructed from the ground up to mesh, like, to do exactly what we're praising it for doing. And kind of like a series of dominoes, like, you just see the first thing happen. And not like they're all 
related and tapping against each other, but it's like, oh yeah, you can kind of see how the whole thing starts. And actually, as I was like replaying this whole thing, it's actually Sergeant Hatred's fault that they that the boys get captured in the first hundred percent. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, because Twenty One's plan was for them to immediately just take the the panic room shoot. So had they not woken up and done that, then Twenty One's still standing there and would have captured them. Assuming, right. yeah, like, uh, presumably. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, it's his fault that they got captured the way they did. But I think either way, they were going down. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was just acting as the catalyst for them to go down because he was dressed as Sergeant Hatred. I guess that's possible. Well, I think he's dressed as Sergeant Hatred because he... Okay, so here's what I think the plan is. The plan is to just capture Sergeant Hatred, you tie him up, which they easily did because Sergeant Hatred was jerking off in front of the computer. Um, and then got a dart in the neck and then passed out. Whoa, so TMI. I didn't need to know you were jerking up in front of the computer. <laughs> He's like, you do it too. He's like, yeah, but... Uh, um, we can talk about your silent shame later. Yeah. <laughs> useless, useless silent shame. But, but the... I, <laughs> go ahead, Brian. I got, I got nothing. I just... <laughs> He's such a gross person. He's so <laughs> gross. And a computer is definitely in a public space. Like, it, there's, I've yeah. never seen it, but guaranteed it's not, like, tucked away I thought, somewhere. I thought it was in Hank and Dean's room, for one. I don't think it is anymore. It might be in the lab now. Oh, yeah. I think it's probably in, like, the lab or something. Ugh, gross. <laughs> but anyways, he gets, you know, shot in the net, shot in the neck, and then um, 21, I think, as Brian's saying, is there... Uh, as like the last resort, he's hoping that they panic. And then when he comes in and they don't panic, he just like, you know, shoots Hank down and then shoots Dean down after a little bit. Yeah, after he finds Dean's raging morning wood. Yes. Yeah. He's packing wood. Do you need backup? No, I just... Oh, man. No one should <laughs> see that. <laughs> oh, Dean. Poor, poor Dean. <laughs> poor, poor Dino. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think of 21's, like, arc in this one? I think it's endearing. Like, yeah. it's interesting because they start off the episode with these two henchmen who are kind of, like, in a weird sort of way, like, bizarro versions of 21 and 24. Right. You know, they're talking about some inane bullshit. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a very important argument. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. What was the other one? Ne- Plesiosaur? <laughs> well, that's Ogopogo. That's the yeah. one. That right, right, right. Ogopogo. Ogopogo. Uh, that's the one that ultimately remember. wins, obviously. Yeah. But either way, like, it's supposed to be about, you know, kind of like showing these two henchmen who are having this like argument that's a very similar argument to 21 and 24 and then 21 kind of steps in and you see who 21 is now so it's kind of like who he was and then who he's going to be and i think that it's interesting because i think we would have guessed a long time ago that 21 is is not gonna ever be a good villain i think he's too codependent as a person yeah um which is like you know, I mean, through the future of the show as well as the past, it's kind of like he needs a partner in some capacity. And he, 
this arc I think is really interesting. The only thing that I find weird about this arc is like the Venture Brothers first. Like, why would the Ventures? you know, Hank and Dean really, how would they possibly pull off what he's hoping for? But it makes sense because he's really grasping his straws. He has no idea what he's doing. Well, yeah, but I think there's even a part, I mean, he admits it eventually. Right. That he has no clue what he was doing. I mean, he says he was terrible at this, which is... True. (laughs) It's true, but it's oddly, like, honest for him. Yes. But also, I mean, he's terrible at doing the you know, detective work behind it, but he does a great fucking job at capturing the Venture Brothers. Yeah, and turning around the cocoon. Yeah, he actually does do those things very well. So he is just kind of the model henchman. It's kind of exactly what the monarch's saying earlier in the episode. Um, Dude! (laughs) Nailed it. Graham just shaking his head. Just such disappointment. How many years have you been doing this? <laughs> Almost the better it's, part of a decade. <laughs> have you ever seen that Simpsons? It's like one of the more recent Simpsons episodes where Milhouse is like trying to set up a, a camera where he's like trying to show off like how good he is at t-ball. And it's just like a series of him swinging and missing at the ball and the t-ball. Like Graham was shaking his head like he was like Milhouse's dad. Just like, this is not good. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying before my phone embarrassingly went off. <laughs> I, I don't remember the actual point. I, we're in general. We were, we're talking, talking about twenty one's art. Twenty one, yeah, yeah. Twenty one is being a successful henchman and finding that that is his main goal, as opposed to him being his own arch. Yeah, yeah. I still don't remember. Okay. Well, I'll, I don't I'll remember ju- what I was I'll talking about, in. but it doesn't matter because I don't earn that that point anyways. <laughs> my phone went off. Like an amateur. Minus 200 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> no! I'm, I'm a Hufflepuff, thank you very much. Oh, oh so are you? am I. Yeah. No way. What's oh your Patronus? Uh, an otter? Uh, mine was a dolphin. <laughs> so whenever you cast your Patronus, it just falls on the ground and dies? It yeah, just like flailing on the ground. It's just like, oh, this is... <laughs> This is horrifying every time. I keep forgetting. <laughs> the Dementors just standing around shaking their head like Graham. Just like, oh, this is bad. We're not even going to attack because this is no. just... No kisses for you. Sad. This is just <laughs> sad. Does anybody want to no. help that poor dying dolphin? Uh, no kisses for you. No, it's better off if we all just walk away. <laughs> I mean, it's sound, like out of context. The dolphin does sound, you know, majestic. But you're like, oh, but like on land or anything else, that just sounds... Right? I think mine's like a tabby cat, though, to where it's like, oh, cool. Wait, what are, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are, no, don't don't play with a ball of yarn. No. Don't. Uh, the Dementors <sighs> got me. Thanks a lot, you fucking Patronus. <laughs> Useless. Uh, all right, we were talking about uh, Venture yeah. Brothers. <laughs> Let's go back. Back to 2 Ton 21. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the, the interesting thing about his arc in this whole thing is that you actually get like a full arc like i think the venture brothers really likes to take its time with some stuff which i think really helps but they do a really interesting thing of kind of setting up how he's going to end up approaching this mystery from here until the end which is he kind of tries to do everything himself and he accomplishes a lot of stuff but he doesn't he doesn't really have the internal structure to really 
do anything about it. Like, he can get from point A to point B, but he really doesn't know what to do to get from point B to point C. I'm not sure. And here's where I I push back a little bit. I've done this for a while with just 21 in general. I feel that 21 is a prime character, especially in Venture Brothers, which is, it's a through line throughout the entirety of the franchise um, or series or whatever you want to call it. Uh, But I think he embodies it better than others. Uh, He's terrified of success. Interesting. Um, Mm. And I think like they don't really ever call it out that much. But I think just because the few times he's able to do things on his own or has to do them on his own, he does it right every time. But when he's yeah. told, do you want to step up? He always shies away and goes, no, 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 no. I'm a number two. Like he never wants, he's afraid. At least what I think. I think he's afraid of succeeding. Yeah. I think you're right. Or <clears throat> afraid of the limelight. For yeah. Sure. Like he, yeah, he gets, he second guesses himself. You're like, oh, I couldn't possibly. But I mean, even in this episode, I mean, we get some, flashback and some history of what's been going on for the past however long it's been a year two years since 24's death something like that yeah yeah Yeah, it's been a while um and and including the past couple episodes um and he's done a lot you know with his larp crew and with (laughs) training and all of this other stuff he's done a lot of great stuff um but you're right it's like here's his kind of time to do his thing on what he thinks that he needs to do and you know get revenge against <clears throat> whoever killed 24 and by the time that he gets there to his first thing with the ventures he's like yeah i'm not really doing a good job at this and that's the thing he is he's doing a great job like, how many times have they tried to, like, capture the Venture Brothers? I mean, countless. Yeah. And he, this is his whole plan. He pulls it off flawlessly, all the way up to the point where he just has to outweigh his own torture device. And then when he gets to that point, because he's set everything up right, he has yep. to leave them for a couple of days, and what he's doing would work. He wants to wait 30 minutes, and he just doesn't have the patience for it. And I don't believe that this guy, who's so nerdy about the details on everything missed the one detail that the Chinese water torture takes longer than 30 minutes. Yes, I do agree with that. And I think that you're right in thinking that he is, you know, more or less like he doesn't either want to be in the limelight, he's afraid of success, blah, blah. I do think that he, he also is missing a key piece, though, I think. is, And he even says this at the end. He doesn't have the kind of hatred Mm, to then pay mm -hmm. attention to something like that, I think is what it is. Or have the heart to really carry it out, I think is probably more likely what it is. He doesn't actually, I don't think, want to hurt the Venture Brothers. Maybe some of the other people, like, for example, the Moppets. (laughs) But I think that, like, he doesn't really have it in his heart to do that willy-nilly. While the Monarch, throughout the entire episode especially in the very end where he's like, I will choose not to execute you. It's like has no qualms, like doesn't have a second guess in his heart or mind about just like killing a henchman or anybody else who really gets in the way of what he wants to accomplish. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. I mean, I mean, even the few times he's been like pushed to the limit of you have to hurt the venture brothers. He always does it with like a tinge of regret. Right. And even killing the taxi cab driver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he doesn't want to actually hurt anybody. So I think you're right. Like, it's a mixture of fear of success and fear of actually making it, and just yeah. the actual drive to do it. 
It's interesting. I mean, this is the first time that we're really seeing, I mean, him grow as obviously a character and a person, but also just exploring this idea of kind of like what it would actually take to be a super scientist. We've kind of seen that with Rusty, but to actually be a super villain, we really haven't seen kind of like somebody who is reluctantly doing it. We've seen pretty much everybody who wants to be there, but maybe not anybody who's stumbled into it or something else. Or feels yeah, but, like they have to out of necessity. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, especially if you go through the whole backstory of Twenty One and how he was kidnapped and all that. Like, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that he just he's doing what he knows, even though he doesn't necessarily love it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting. Like they they really pack a ton of that backstory into a very short episode that isn't just about Twenty One, and we get all of this out of it. And again, that just kind of speaks to the level of writing in this episode versus the other kind of mixed grab bag episodes, kind of bringing it back around to that. For sure. Because um, every other one that we've had like this, we usually, at this point, we're kind of like, so I guess it was okay. I mean, these parts were funny. Whereas this right. one, y- you get an entire backstory and character motivation that takes all of a few minutes, but you get so much story out of it. It's just great. For sure. And we haven't really even talked about anybody else because I think that obviously the episode's heart is 21, but... The Monarch is amazing in this episode. So is oh Dr. Girlfriend. Sergeant Hatred's this, really good. This is one of my favorite Dr. Girlfriend moments in the entirety of the show. And I always forget it's in this episode. And it's when he... I don't remember what uh, the Monarch says. He says something to her. She's like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. He's like, oh, really? Then why have I been calling you <laughs> Dr. Girlfriend this whole time? <laughs> that type of doctor. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> also, there's just the... Yes, please. Please keep mocking me in my time of need. but that's the thing it's like their storyline is great throughout this entire episode i i love the whole like the little piggy thing because you imagine she's playing with toes and then decides to go straight for the dick and then they just go down a weird rabbit hole of you're not peeing on me this time no 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 i'm not gonna push my luck And like it's just another one of those glimpses into their very weird relationship that I just love. Like I just I love the two of them together. Just the way they cut their banter back and forth is just fantastic. I love that she's trying to make him feel better on the other side of the the door by kind of like making light of clearly his allergic reaction to a fancy salad. Yeah. And <laughs> And he's just, like, not having it, which it felt, like, very genuine. Because it's, like, everybody's been in a situation like that in a relationship where you're, like, trying to make light of something. Because you're just, like, I don't want this to be too serious because I want us to be able to kind of, like, work our way through it and show that it's not that big of a deal. But we've also been on the other side where we're, like, I'm just not in the mood right now. Like, in this moment, I need something else. It's the whole, please. like, I get what you're doing, but can you just fuck off for right now? Like, mm-hmm. Please just stop talking. Just just stop. Just go away. Like, let me cry this out for a minute. This sucks. Exactly. And he did such a good job with that. Like, it's just like, uh, I've been there. I, I've been that monarch. It's usually when you're sitting on the toilet, but whatever. Yeah. Like, I love also later in the episode, you're like, I wasn't cut off. I hung up on you. I know. Well, why didn't you call back? Because I figured you'd just hang up and then bam. <laughs> oh, it's so good. He's I also such love a that child. He's such a child. I love that he does it too, and he's essentially on like FaceTime, so she can see him slam the receiver down. Like it's like obviously you hung up. Uh, 
Amazing. Uh, I do love the monarch. <laughs> so good. Uh, so what boy. haven't we hit in this episode? We didn't really talk much about the boys, but they don't really do much in this episode other than kind of piss off Hatred. Yeah. I think Hatred's the only thing we really haven't hit that we should spend a little time talking about. Yeah. He has, this is, he has a really good, not arc, but he has a really good kind of moment in this episode of Dr. Venture at one point, or Rusty, has to full on say, why did I let you take this job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hank, Hatred stands up for himself. He's like, you, you let me take this job because I'm good at it. And also because he refused to leave the house. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's also that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, he also had that bit, but he is actually he he's pretty good at it. He stands up for himself as much as he could. He, yeah, I mean, he's, he's great. He's exactly what the boys need for their future arc. Yes. Because I think with Brock staying around, they just would stay the boys and that would be it. They wouldn't go Bingo. to college. They wouldn't do anything. There would just be that. They would probably die again, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, and there's a there's a quote in the next episode um, that I'm I'm gonna just say now, just because it actually is pertinent to what we're talking about. So I'm sorry for jumping ahead, but how dare you, sir? I know. But uh, Rusty's like, I remember when Action Man would wake me up with a gun pressed to my head. Oh, it's such a good one, too. It's so good. <laughs> but it, it's pertinent because it's exactly what hatred's trying to do, but in a more humane, like less horrifying way <laughs> more humane than the action man that's impossible i know i know <laughs> we have to bring this up again next week I, I, we, yes it, it's such an important moment it's so good but i felt like it it actually makes a big difference because it informs what sergeant hatred's doing is that they're both coming from the same place they both want the boy you know action man wants rusty sergeant hatred wants hank and dean to be able to kind of fend for themselves and be aware of the world that they're living in but the way Action Man does it is the same way, you know, maybe a serial killer or some sort of, like, I don't know. Terrible human being. Terrible would. human being would do it. While Sergeant Hatred's trying to actually look at what's best for them, but he's also kind of too nice about it. <laughs> like, there's, like, it, it almost is like they're both coming at it from the polar opposite ends. Yeah. And also Sergeant yeah. Hatred wants... More than anything else, I feel like the reason why he went in that room was to get a new Giant Boy Detective book. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main reason why he did that. What comes after this one? Uh, this one. Okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and borrow that. I'm uh, so embarrassed that that never even dawned on me as a possibility of that why he's in the room. And then as soon as you said it, it's like, oh, no, that's the only reason he was the room. only reason why he broke in. He's like, oh, I'm trying to teach you a lesson, but really all of the Giant Boy Detective books are in here, so... Which brings up a question later where he's watching uh, Princess Tiny Feet in her leathery orgy where he's like, what would Giant Boy Detective do? And it made me think, what would Giant Boy Detective do? What a weird thing to bring up. <laughs> well, that's his idol right now. Like That's, that's true. His, that's, his, that's who he looks up to right now. Giant Boy Detective. Oh, uh, so good. And I love his <laughs> the time machine rant in this episode mm -hmm. he, they eat them my it's like God, well I obviously know one. where my time machine book went <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh boy uh, just, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we've missed in this one that we absolutely have to hit I don't think there is anything um, 
because I don't want to keep going down that rabbit hole. I'm afraid if we keep going too far, we're just going to end up talking about next week's episode. Right, uh, exactly. So another thing I wanted to mention was that at the end of the episode, 21 actually walks back into his room, talk like already talking to 24, as if he you know is always listening. But I guess he always is. Uh, there's a hand that checks off the list, you know, the, the list of people that he needs to avenge, right? On, on the top of the list is Avengers, and then a few later. There's actually the shape-shifting Nightshade and Happenstance are also on the list, which I think are hilarious. I, wish it to, I really wish you'd go after Happenstance, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so it's some, somebody checks off the list, and then 24's skull has moved at the end of the episode. And I... I was wondering if this got answered in the next episode, but now having seen it, it doesn't. And I was wondering if this ever actually gets answered. I remember it does. I don't remember how, and I don't remember when, but I know they do. I know they address it. Yeah, I'm sure they, I mean, cause it's a big thing. And I, that's kind of where I got, it was like, I can't remember when or if, or what, you know, or what it was, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. That was another thing that was at the end of this episode that did actually happen. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, I don't remember how that gets answered, and I'm kind of excited about that, because I've watched this show so many times, and when I find something I don't remember, I'm very excited. I'm like, oh, here's something I don't remember. So I don't even want to look it up. Like, I just want to find out. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we've kind of circled the drain on this one, and I, I feel we should move into quotes. Quotes, 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 quotes. Quotes, 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 uh, quotes, quotes, quotes. Mine is, uh, mine's rather long, so I'm going to go first, and I, I'm 99% sure it's neither one of yours. Uh, and this is, it's my favorite Monarch Marmot, not from the season, but like uh, easily from the episode. And it's, I'd rank it in like the top five or ten Monarch moments of the entire franchise. Um, and it's one of those rare moments where you're like, oh shit, the Monarch can be a badass. And I, I love seeing those moments. And it's right after Dr. Girlfriend or Dr. Mrs. the Monarch has called the Moppets and told the Moppets they have to keep the Monarch in the house. And the Monarch walks out and they start trying to stop him. And he interrupts with, ah, don't finish that thought. I'm only going to say this once. I don't like you. And if you ever try to give me an order again, I'll kill you both and feed you to the neighborhood dog. Now, what were you saying? Have a nice walk. What about you? <laughs> That's a spray with a can of rain or something. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. And I love it. <laughs> it's the, what, the, the second person to ever stand up to the Moppets in the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the very first time effective. it didn't go very well for them. This time it goes very well. Well, I guess when the Brock does it, when that's what I was thinking, Brock. Brock. Okay. Who were you thinking? I was thinking of twenty four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotten stabbed so many times. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh my god. But yeah, I what? love that. That's just so good. <laughs> Mine is also a monarch moment at at the end of the at the end of this episode with twenty one saying to him, "It's like, oh." I think the water torture is giving me second sight or something. I'm seeing your true evil nature. <laughs> Monarch goes, hardly. It's an allergic reaction to a fancy salad. <laughs> oh, there's so many good Monarch moments in this episode. It's weird that he is just definitely not the lead of the episode, but he's still so fucking good. Oh, like, especially where he's, like, when he goes up, it's, like, right after that, where he's, like, I know you had the Ventures in here. He's, like, how did you know? He's, like, because I can smell it. Like, it's, like, Hank wears so much of, like, Axe body spray, and then Dean smells like Selsun Blue. <laughs> Selsun Blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Hi. 
That's a good one. Was that your quote, or do you have a different one? Oh no, mine. Uh, mine is the. This is before he eats the said fancy salad. The monarch is talking about he knows he has a pimple coming up, and he's like, "I can feel it. It hasn't bloomed yet, but it's pushing up through the skin. It will be a whopper." And it's just the way he says, "It will be a whopper" is the best. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good goodness. one. Uh... <laughs> and I love the name of his cat. Yes, Mister Mister Mostly Mittens. <laughs> <sighs> I also love the way he's taxidermied. The Gr- <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I also love that the Doctor Mister the Monarch is feeding the Moppets under the table. <laughs> Adds another notch to the. I don't understand the relationship. It's so gross to me. It's so weird. It's so creepy. <sighs> I don't like it. Whatever it is, I don't like it. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna... a, she thinks it's so chaste, and it's so clearly <laughs> not chaste. No. Oi. As funny as I find them, I'm not going to miss them in the upcoming seasons when they start to disappear. Oh, yeah. They're great for now. And I think that they yeah. start to run out. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Um, so that brings today's episode to a close. Uh, we can do a quick round of plugs and then we can get out of here. Uh, we are still in the midst of stumping Samwise. I don't think anybody's done it yet. So I'm leaving it up to you, the listener. Stump Samwise. That's Samwise the podcast where she does advice based on the Lord of the Rings the extended edition and their special features. So if you think of a life question that Sam can't answer, I will be proud of you because I don't think you can do it. That's right. I'm talking to you, George. Um, I'm not sure if we have a George amongst our listeners, but if we do, he just got a little freaked out. Yep, um, and we don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ah! oh. <laughs> uh, but to get in touch with Samwise... Call her, 608-561-2755. You can leave her a voicemail, you can text her, or you can email her at sam.wise.ath.gmail.com. And then, of course, be sure to check out After the Hype um, and upcoming Demon Days and upcoming Dogs podcast and upcoming unnamed podcasts that I can't talk about yet, but we have a ton of stuff going on in ATH, and it's all coming up right in time for ATH's upcoming uh, summer break, which will be five to six weeks off which uh, all of us desperately need. But don't worry, because Venture Brothers will still be happening. So if you don't listen to them, it doesn't matter to you, but you should listen to them, so it shouldn't matter to you. Uh, that's the end of my plug. You guys have any of the plugs? Uh, what you said. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, you guys will both be a big fan of the new podcast that we have launching uh, if, if and when we get it off the ground. I'm very excited about it. Um, one of you will even be contacted to be on it. One of you has already been contacted to be on it. So, you know, exciting stuff. Very, very exciting. Exciting cryptic stuff for a podcast that people have already most likely turned off. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with, I I don't want to get ahead of myself and say it's my favorite episode of season four, but I'm going to say it's my favorite episode of season four. I'm just going to boldly claim it and hope that I'm right. Man, I love next week. It's the Revenge Society. Uh, Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Bye.